Hello, welcome to the JMP Cast. I'm your host, Josiah Michael Pyatt. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to give some context to the structure of this season of the podcast. Essentially, each episode for this season will be a direct excerpt from the book Beautiful Surrender, He Has My Yes. This book is available in print and ebook on Amazon, but I really wanted to have an audiobook that would be free and accessible for all people. Due to this season's episodes being an audiobook, I'm not going to actually be doing an introduction to each episode. Instead, each episode's title will be what the chapter or section of the book is. If you forget where you're going, you can always just read the details of the episode to see which part of the book you're in. And of course, because it's a podcast, you're able to go back and refresh yourself on what maybe you forgot from last time. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Thank you again for checking out this podcast. I hope something in it encourages you. Are you tired of being told what to do? I know I am. It seems like everywhere we turn in this first world country, we are being told how to think, feel, and behave while simultaneously being told, just be yourself or do what makes you happy. Let's be honest, even the very nature of you reading this book is a bit arrogant of me to think that I have something of value to say to you. I am therefore going to be clear from the beginning of this book. Everything I write is intended to challenge you in the way you currently think about what it means to follow Jesus. My goal in this book is therefore not for you to walk away feeling better about yourself or thinking more highly of me. I'm not writing this so that you dismiss everything you once believed about Jesus and accept everything that I believe about him. I am simply writing this out of my own convictions based on how I understand the Bible and from the experiences that myself and others have had while choosing to follow Jesus. My prayer is that somehow, in some way, something in this book would inspire you to dive deeper into your relationship with the Father of all things through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give everything I have to facilitate this through the pages of this book, but ultimately I know this is out of my control. And to be really honest, you don't need to read this book for that to happen. I'm not the first person to recognize this and will not be the last, but I still think it needs to be said. Authenticity and vulnerability are the way forward, not just for Christians, but all humans in our society. In the foundation of a land full of filters and followers, I believe there lies a deep longing for belonging, connection, acceptance, and ultimately love. The challenge we face is that so much of what we see and how we interact with each other is shallow and superficial. Not only that, but when it comes to daily interactions, many of us are consumed by self-indulgence. We'd rather talk than listen. We'd rather be right than have a right relationship with one another. I'm going to just have to pause for a second before I finish this thought. If I was writing this two years ago, I would have been thinking about all the ways everyone else around me is self-indulgent. But now as I write this, I know for a fact I'm just as guilty as anyone else in participating in such narcissistic ways. There's nothing like marriage to humble a man. I believe our mainstream society is beginning to recognize this shallowness and that there will be a shift coming soon in the way social media is framed and functions within how we interact with each other. This shallowness and superficiality has completely infiltrated our church and many Christians. I recently was leading a Bible study with some friends at church and we were reading through the book of Matthew, that particular time focusing on chapter 4 verses 12 to 25. The conversation we had was centered on how cool it was that the passage says everyone that comes to Jesus was healed by him. We all were agreeing how amazing it was that we served a God who healed everyone. Someone mentioned how great it was that Jesus didn't turn a blind eye to the pain of the people. We went on to talk about the prophecy that says people who were once in the dark 
have seen a great light. Even though the conversation we were having was beneficial and even encouraging for each of us, there was something about it that just didn't sit well in my heart. In my head, I asked the Holy Spirit why, and I heard him whisper, read verse 12. I did, and I immediately knew what I needed to say. I asked the group a question. I wonder what John the Baptist would have thought about everything that was going on. According to Matthew, John just went from baptizing Jesus to being put into prison, and later was beheaded due to a young woman seducing a ruler named Herod through the manipulation of her mother. We all love the Jesus who heals the sick, raises the dead, and sets the captives free. But can we love the same Jesus who allowed a man who lived in a desert watch his ministry die only to be put in prison which led him to being beheaded? We went on to reflect on how John even had his own doubts about Jesus in prison. Read Matthew 11 verse 3. Don't you think there would have been a part of John that probably thought that Jesus would have asked him to join his ministry? I know the classic line of John states, he must become greater and I must become less. But don't you think there may have been a part of him secretly hoping Jesus would have asked him to join? We all need to wrestle with the reality that God doesn't always do what we want him to do. We have to hold in both hands the Jesus who heals them all with the same Jesus who allowed his friend to be beheaded. I think too often in church we want to hear the story of the prodigal son coming home instead of facing the reality that many of our prodigals are still out there squandering their inheritance. We want the story of healing as opposed to the very real stories of the times when Jesus for some reason or another seems to be saying not this time to a healing or breakthrough. God says that he is good and he is faithful. His love endures forever, but he will not be mocked. He doesn't need us to try to photoshop his character or add a filter to his stories. There is a truth that lies within the mountainside and the desert cry moments of life. We need to learn how to hold both in our hands. The conversation that followed my rant about John were one about struggle, pain, and the very real reality that much of what we go through in life leaves us asking more questions about God than leaving us with answers. The response to the passage went from superficial to real honest conversation about times where we have seen God come through for us and times when it seemed like he was nowhere to be found. After everyone responded, I finished with one last question we must always ask ourselves, no matter what we have gone through or are going through. And we still choose to trust God is who he says he is. We finished the Bible study with a collective yes. Today we will choose to trust Jesus regardless of what happens. In order for me to talk fairly about the subject of surrender, I believe I need to begin this book with a very personal story that would be closer to a Jesus that let his friend be beheaded. If I were a salesman or a motivational speaker, this probably be the worst way of trying to motivate you to see the importance of surrendering everything to Jesus. But again, I'm not here to motivate you or even convince you to surrender. I'm more interested in challenging you to think about what it means to live fully surrendered to Jesus. How you respond to this challenge isn't controlled by me or anyone else but yourself. This book will finish with a personal story that is more of a Jesus healing them all moment. You'll have to wait until the end to know what it's about.